Hey, Diggs, welcome to Dennis in the Know, your backstage pass to current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. We are dentistry source for honest, relevant information. And with that in mind, this is JB's News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. So introducing to you with all your relevant information, Dr. Jennifer Bell. As always, we're going to bring you the latest and greatest and sometimes the scariest and very obscure and weird news in the dental community. And I have to tell you, like, it's become kind of, you know, as I'm sorting through the articles and deciding which ones we want to talk about for the evening, it's like governmental oddities and obscurities, murders, deaths, and uh, illegal transactions in the dental community. And then, you know, some random, maybe uh, corporate news. So these are the categories we're starting to sort of slowly build. So let's go right into it, if we shall. First off, uh, I've got to give a shout out to Rhode Island, next state on the list, wanting to push forward with a medical loss ratio. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that as we get closer to election time. But for our very small community friends, uh, dental friends in Rhode Island, uh, we're watching you. We see what you're doing. There's a trend of multiple states because of Massachusetts success and significant success, like a heavy majority, over 70 percent supporting that particular legislation. Many states are now recognizing that as an opportunity to take advantage of the momentum to bring that medical loss ratio uh, language into their own law. And so we're seeing that moving forward with multiple states. So we'll have that master list for you of the states that have it available on their ballot for November of 2023 and probably ballots for 2024 as well. So keep an eye out. And if you hear any other states that are considering it, please let me know. Here's the interesting thing about fluoride. We've been talking a lot about fluoride more than I thought we would in 2023 since it's been uh, water municipal water supply systems, I believe, a little before my time, but the 60s, 70s in the U.S., Um, But here we are again, still talking about it. So here is your government at work, everyone, uh, when we have multiple entities working on their own behalf and maybe not communicating with one another. So the CDC uh, just released a study. They are a little concerned about um, some of the fluoridation management systems that are out there for all the municipal water supplies. And they are uh, concerned that more than 16% of municipal water supplies out there today that are fluoridating water are below the therapeutic value of 0.7 milligrams per liter uh, in their communities. Now, there are lots of communities that may not even be reporting that data to the CDC, and they sort of break it down into different categories. So uh, of the communities that are reporting that, here was the most disturbing statistic. Only 4,000 of the 54,000, I think, communities that currently program of reporting their fluoridation statistics to the CDC are actively adjusting fluoridation levels based on water quality and quantity values and achieving like a 99% accuracy rate of it being around that 0.7 to 1 milligram per liter. And I thought, man, that seems kind of scary that, you know, we just sort of trust Trust but verify, right, uh, that our water fluoridation systems are working and constantly adjusting. But it sounds like to me, many of them just have a protocol of the dump. There's a certain amount that they're putting into each uh, vat of water that's coming through that they're filtering, sourcing, and then 
uh, sending out into the community without actively testing where the incoming water's fluoridation levels are. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about improvements in technology that could be had in the municipal water communities to ensure that those levels are always staying at a very safe uh, below two milligrams per liter. But meanwhile, on the opposite side, the EPA is saying we need to put different filtration systems into the water supply because they're currently worried about the forever chemicals, the pre and poly, excuse me, pre and polyfluoracyl chemicals, I don't know, probably through plastics uh, that are getting into the water supply and they're seeing it in blood, urine, uh, other (laughs) mucus things that they're testing from time to time, I reckon. Uh, And they are uh, concerned about these forever chemicals because they're linked more towards uh, cancers and other type of long-term diseases. And so they're trying to introduce a bunch of filtration systems that are going to weed out a lot of those particular chemicals. The concern is that that fil- filtration level will actually also filter out all the fluoride. So meanwhile, the CDC is trying to manage the municipal water supply system to ensure that the fluoride is correct and, and actively working at an optimal level for for caries prevention. And we've got the EPA saying, we're going to put in these filters to block out these other types of chemicals that we're worried about, which may also capture the fluoride. So everybody's sort of watching these different entities and how they're going to ultimately, we hope, interact together to come up with best guidances to ensure safety of our population. But also maybe if we're continuing to support the fluoridation program that we're offering it at the optimal level and not too high or too low. And then let's not forget that the FDA is also looking at toxicity levels of fluoride and actually considering pooling it from the safe and approved chemical use for municipal water supplies. So that's a whole nother piece of this very interesting puzzle. So there's a lot happening in the fluoride level sort of simultaneously, which does make me think that there's probably an overarching thing, which I cannot see, um, that is sort of dictating how we're looking at fluoride in our community. So stay tuned for that. Another HPI statistics coming out from the ADA this uh, last month showing the affiliation of dentists into DSOs has gone up quite significantly, almost a 10% increase since uh, 2008. Um, but we're looking at right now, almost a quarter of graduating dentists up to 10 years in practice are affiliating with a DSO style practice. Um, it's around 11% of those reporting the statistics to the ADA within the uh, less than 25. So 11 to 25 years in practice are affiliated with the DSO. And then 7% of those that are greater than 25 years. But those numbers have all gone up in every single category. And so obviously a slight shift in the market, probably not dissimilar from what we saw in the medical community 20 years ago as a lot of... Um, amalgamation of different practices are are coming together and just a consolidation of the dental model um, as a whole. So we'll keep you posted on that. And then, you know, Chad sent me this article right before we went on air. And um, as always, we've got, you know, the government stuff, we've got where we are in our, in our workforce, things we need to be watching for. And then we move to the oddities and obscurities and criminal acts category of the news segment. Tonight is no exception. 
Earlier last week, we posted about uh, a, a little local community in Texas where an individual had been dumping dental models into potholes to help solve the community's pothole problem. The only real egregious error I see, other than the fact that that probably wasn't the most efficient way to solve the problem, was that all the models had names on them. So, I mean, I'm sure you all looked at that story and thought, number one, what a weird idea. Like, were you sitting at your kitchen table? Were you watching YouTube? Were you gardening when the epiphany struck in your brain that today was going to be the day that you were going to go dump a bunch of those old orthodontic models that you've been saving for 40 years into the potholes that were annoying the mess out of you on the front road in front of your house? I, I don't know. I'd like, I'd, I genuinely would like to understand the thought process that got us to this place. Be that as it may, they found a ton of dental models and potholes. Obviously, they had names on them, which we can all agree with would likely be a HIPAA violation. Where that story is going to go, I don't know. Meanwhile, in Virginia, just a few states uh, east of Texas, we had a daughter come in and kill her father, who was a dentist, Dr. Abby Horwitz, not Horowitz, but Horwitz, um, a beloved dentist in their community, and the daughter stabbed the father to death. <sighs> But at least this week, I didn't have to report about any dentists that were practicing dentist dentistry illegally in a hotel room or, you know, shipping illegal supplies overseas. I mean, at least it's just dental molds and a murder. And with that, that's the news. So, gang, that's it for today's show. We want to thank you for tuning in. But more importantly, we want to thank you for being a part of Dentists in the Know. I'm Dr. Jeff Horowitz. I'm Dr. Chad DePlantis. And I'm Dr. Jennifer Bell. And we're Dentists in the Know. Remember, gang, dentistry is an amazing profession, but it's way more rewarding when you're in the know.